Yo, what's going on, my people? Come on in this room. Let's go ahead and go straight to the table of liberation. And I want you guys to experience something, all right? Come on in. Greetings, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to this podcast, The Liberation Table Experience. Within this particular episode, share my story. Who am I? Where I came from? And most importantly, living in a body that was not designed for me being inflamed. Inflamed. All right, let's talk. All right, my name is Preston, man. I'm coming from Connecticut. Uh, Derby, that is. A very small town outside of New Haven, not too far from Hartford. Uh, Growing up in the city of New Haven, uh, excuse me, growing up in the city of Ansonia, which is known as the Valley, the Valley Town, man. Um, very close to various cities of New Haven, Waterbury, uh, Hartford, and we're about maybe about an hour, hour 15 minutes from New York. And growing up in the city, man, we always would do things. We were always outside playing sports, uh, hopping fences, doing crazy things. There was always something to do in a sense. Now, and living in Ansonia, and Ansonia, excuse me, eh, not too much. It's very small, um, wasn't much going on. So a lot of us will go outside of the city to do different things, or we will go what we consider to the city, which is New York, to have fun and whatnot. But man, listen, this dude named Preston, Uncle P., Man, I used to love to eat. Oh, my gosh. I love to eat. Like, really, really love to eat. Who doesn't love to eat? Um, My mother, for the most part, Angela Major, Bailey, uh, for the most part, she was best vet, uh, vegetarian. vegetarian. Um, there were some times, like, I remember around Thanksgiving, Especially on Thanksgiving, we'll have lasagna. Like, oh my gosh, yo, my mother would make the best lasagna. Like, I didn't care. Like, we stayed around a corner from Italians, and we grew up in an Italian community in a sense, so we had a lot of friends. My mother made the best lasagna, man, and we're not Italian, but she made the best lasagna. So I remember going to the pot, and my room was right there uh at the kitchen so it was already a setup right there at the kitchen and my mom and my stepfather room was off from the kitchen going further down the hall and my mother would start making this stuff and the pot be looking good smelling good i said mm. i was like mom can i have some she'll give me a little bit all right no more this is for tomorrow or whatever for dinner <laughs> my mother would go in her room and shut her door son I would be in the pot like a little chubby fat boy. Just a, mm, this is so good. And before I knew it, I have eaten so much of the sauce for the lasagna. My mother would be furious. And growing up in a black home, furious is just a word. But the action behind furious follows wrath. <laughs> so doing all of that stuff, embedding a bad foundation for myself. And my uh, stepfather, what being West Indies, 
we always will have fish, chicken, goat, and sometimes, like I said, beef for the lasagna and whatnot. Never no pork in the house. And, oh my goodness, my stepfather made this curry goat with dumplings. Listen. Uh, I had to smack my tongue because it was so good. And the sauce, the everything about it was good. The red, the rice and beans were good. Going to New York to the Bronx to my aunt, she would have a kitchen full of food, man. All types of cake. Man, listen, if you're a Caribbean or West Indies or from the islands, you know about the rum cake. Certain time of the year, fruit cake. And my aunt used to have these rum balls on top. Oh my gosh, bruh. That cake was so moist and so good. It had you floating, literally floating. <laughs> Excuse me. So having already doing those things that I so enjoyed doing, which was eating. I was eating all of this sugar, all of the starches. And even though my mom will always do her best to implement a healthy lifestyle, that didn't do anything for Preston because I had my grandmother and not just my grandmother. We lived in a two-story um, split level house where my mom and I and my stepfather, we stayed upstairs and mom and pop, the one that you guys will hear more from, hopefully I would get them to do an interview um, sharing what was it like growing up with me. Um, but mom and pop, and especially my mother, mom, well, let me put a name to it. Her name is Harriet Lee. Um, all my life, I usually called her grandma. But until around 12, 13, I stopped calling her mom. Um, so Big Mama, that's Harriet Lee, Big Mama would buy the Debbies, buy the little sweet crackers for me, buy all the ice cream. And I was the only child. My mother only had one child. That's me. And so basically, yes, I was very spoiled from a lot of people in the community. But mom and pop go there, get what I want. Come downstairs. Mom there, I'm getting what I want. Big mom's there, I'm getting what I want. Go upstairs. When pop come home from work, I said, pop, can I get, yeah, you ain't had, nope, mm -mm, I had nothing. Nope, I'm lying. Because he asked, you didn't have anything when Hatley, they call her Hatley. When Hatley was here, I'm like, no, mm -mm. I'll go up in the cabinet. And see, he loves to sleep. So, like, people like Preston, he sleeps a lot. Listen, that old man been doing that since I was a little boy. So, there's nothing new. Pop would sleep. I would go rumbling. Yep, my time to get up, get some cookies, make me some peanut butter and jelly uh, sandwiches, give me some ice cream. Oh, listen. Chocolate. Chocolate. Listen, I was lit. My mother didn't know what to do. She used to fuss with them. Don't give that boy no more chocolate, no more sweets. Because I was just like a husky dog. Go, shoom, shoom. Remember like the pinball, pinball machine? Every time you hit the little ball, I go, shoom, 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 shoom. I was just like that. Very hyper. Um, You know, so... And then my grandmother, Thelma Beatrice Black. My grandmother, that's my heart, man. She uh, transitioned several years ago, back in 2011. 
my grandmother had eight kids, seven living, and provided for all of them. While she was living, she had, I think, I'm the oldest out of, I don't remember how many grands there are now. I'm the oldest. That's all that matters. I'm the oldest. <laughs> um, but my grandmother would cook, man, listen, fried chicken, pork chops, mother pork chop, macaroni and cheese, listen, potato salad. Not only she would cook, her sister would cook, which is the oldest. We call her Auntie Boot, but her name is Fannie Mae Bacot. Aunt Fanny would cook on Sundays, and everybody would eat. My grandmother would not just only cook. I remember spending the night at her house, and it's what? Let's say, let's just say safe side, it's 12 o'clock. It was much later, but I'm going to say 12 o'clock. I'm taking a nap, supposed to be asleep. What I smell something I'm like in the world. I get up. Grandma, what are you doing? Baby, I'm hungry. My grandmother was cooking her some grits and frying some fish <laughs> at 12 o'clock at night. Listen, the last names over there um, on my grandmother's side is called they're blacks or grand and grandvilles. Listen, them blacks. If they're hungry, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to eat, no matter what time it is. Their motto was, baby, don't you go to sleep hungry. <laughs> okay, no problem. I would never go to sleep hungry, but I will wake up with swollen lymph nodes or swollen this and swollen that, aching pain. It's all right, baby. You're going to be okay. Man, listen. I had to always remind myself that I wish and I want more for myself. I want to look different. I want to be transformed to look like my friends. They were small. So doing all of that, I created such a horrible foundation for myself. When my mother say not to eat certain things or not to do certain things, by right, I did it in front of her. By the time mom would go to work, because my mother was a workaholic. And that gave me the opportunity to eat as I would want to. And mom and pop would buy me things if I needed. I didn't have to worry about wanting for anything, man. Always had food, always had juice. Water, ilk. What was water? I remember being uh, in elementary playing football, and it's actually soccer. Wanted to play soccer because my stepfather, he all that's all that's all West Indies do, man. Play soccer all day, every day. So if you grew up in that home, you understand that's that's what we do. And I remember going out there for tryouts or practice one day. Man, I quit. I was too tired. It was too much running these balls in and out this cone. I'm waiting. Look here. I'm looking at I'm like, y'all can have it. I'm done. Mm, that's too much of running. Man, but I did play football later on. And I fell in love with playing football because it was physical. I enjoy knocking somebody over or getting hit every now and then. But football was a way of expressing my... Um, and if you guys hear something snoring, that's my dog. But 
it was my way of releasing things out of me, releasing depression, releasing anxiety. Because all this food I'm eating, nobody really sat down and said, man, this isn't healthy. Or to give me the reason why it's not healthy. It was just eat. You want to eat? Eat. And all my life, I watched my grandmother deteriorate from being this woman of vibrant and able to get up and go and go do, 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 do to cook for everybody, to giving her house to people, her bed to people, cleaning behind people. I mean, just all of it, and just slowly, just began to slow down. My grandmother was a vivid drinker of the darkest soda that you can possibly drink in this world. It ain't Pepsi Cola, they will call it. It was RC. And this dog is really snoring. Anyway, so she would drink this soda, <clears throat> and my grandmother was of a fair kind of red complexion, and the soda would give her spots on her back. And I remember my grandmother used to like, Pez, come on and scratch grandmama's back. I'm like, ugh. I've been very funny acting from a little kid. If I see in the tub that there's rust, I'm not getting in that tub. If I see something out of place that just makes me, I'm not going to touch it or whatever. And I'm still that way sometimes. But my grandmother, like, scratched her back. And I remember looking at my grandmother's back. I'm like, Grandma, why are your back full of all these black spots? She would drink soda, eat fat back, all of this stuff. And I love my grandmother, so I did all of that stuff with her. And watching my grandmother kill herself while she was eating fat back, Drinking um, Pepsi, drinking RC, um, eating late nights. My grandmother had, what, several heart attacks. My grandmother had diabetes. My grandmother had other complications with her health. And I always, as I got older, and, and my father... He passed as well. He passed from diabetes complication. Watching both of my father and grandmother, grandmother losing amputees on her toes, my father losing limbs, and it started off with the toe, then went from the toe to the limb to this part and to that part. Watching them both, how they suffer, how they are delusional at times in speech and different things. Watching how they up one moment feeling great, then the next second they're feeling bad. And I've always said to myself, I refuse to allow myself to be in a place where I would get sick or die from something that's going to make me feel good while I'm eating, but then cause death later on because it was causing blockage. It was causing damage. It was causing mental illness. <clears throat> and as I went through middle school, went through high school, and don't get me wrong, I definitely carried, in high school, I was maxed at, I want to say like three, man, playing football, I was 320, 325, holding that thing, holding it solidly, all right? 
then I stopped playing football and I moved up to around 340, pushing 345. I was big, but my weight never reflected how I looked, if that makes sense. I'm six one and a half, and I carried my weight quite well. I was always physical. I was always out in the yard. When we moved down south, my my pops had a tiller, and so I will always go in the yard to till up the land to prepare for our garden for that season. Um, Later on, I got some chickens. (laughs) I became country. (laughs) Got some chickens, running around my chickens. Um, One of my good neighborhood friends at the time, Tweety, man, and we will always do outdoor stuff, guy stuff. So it kind of kept me moving, kept me doing things. Um, but later on, as I went to college, you know, they always say, what, the freshman 10, freshman 15? Man, listen, I must have gained freshman 1,000 or 100. Man, I began to expand my thought <laughs> and wait. Seriously. And being in college, many people enjoyed Preston. Many people enjoyed the big guy. Many people enjoyed that teddy bear. Nobody told me that I was too big. I texted my cousins maybe a few weeks ago. Because I found a picture on Facebook and it shares those memories over the years. And I was looking, I'm like, wow, I was huge. My skin was really dark. And I'm like, in that moment, how did I feel? What were my thoughts? What were my feelings in that moment of the picture that was? You couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> I felt great about myself. I enjoyed myself. I wanted to do certain things, which I've done. And I thought I could dress for a big guy. And I felt little complications in my digestive system. But I thought, like, heck, well, I don't know. That's gas. You know, no one was there or able to tell me, man, look, excuse me, this is a sign of issues that's going to cause trauma later on in life if you do not correct it. Nobody was there. You know, um, so as I began to look at myself, I realized I couldn't run for a long period of time. I couldn't do certain things that my mind wanted to do. My body couldn't do it. I went to undergrad at South Carolina State University, graduate of 2010, Hodge Hall Biology Department. Um, I would go out there to the track, to the football track, and call myself running. Man, listen, I must have done all of maybe a skip to the loo, my darling. That was it. I was tired. I didn't go no further. And that became depressing to me. That became sad to me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do something about it. I've always said I'm going to do something about it. And I really, really haven't pushed myself into doing something about it. Um, 
what a junior year, I want to say my junior year, uh, they had this dormitory step show and I was in the step show along with other guys and I will never forget in step practice, man, I think everybody in there was a little teeny little thing. <clears throat> it was myself and two other brothers that were kind of the plump side. But everybody else got a little teeny little thing. I'm like, no, I'm looking. But even those guys, <clears throat> let me get some water. Even those guys, excuse me. Even those guys that were considered plump or heavy, yo, they were moving. They were they were getting it. I'm like, oh, I got tired because we in there for hours. I'm like, oh, this is too much. I'm not getting paid for this. But the excitement that came during the step show. I remember we were doing things to build our endurance up. And the excitement that came with it, because I felt good, we were doing things together. There were um, motivation from each other. But I never stayed committed to it. I never stayed committed. And that's the biggest thing. We have to be committed, disciplined every day. It's so easy to say, yo, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make sure this happens. But if you don't put any actions behind the words and then hold yourself accountable for the words of action that you place there, You'll find yourself in this web of tanglement, trying to maneuver and get out of the tangle, but you're being pulled back in. And sometimes that web is making it stronger and is tying you down even, even harder. So what do you do when you're really down to the bottom? Like there's nothing else that I can imagine or push myself to get to the point of losing the weight. I remember going to my dormitory, feeling depressed, um, not saying stuff. And many people would see me like I will always keep them laughing. But to be honest, I was the most depressed dude without showing the signs. Didn't know depression until I got older. I'm like, yo, I was depressed those years. What? Rage. Many things came out of this camouflage of fact. Many things transpired within this entrapment of lard. It was hate, uncomfortableness, embarrassment, uncertainty, not knowing what next. Will I die? And seeing many people around me, around my age or in my cat or in my um, generation, they're dying or were found dead many times because of some type of health complication. I remember sleeping in the bed and. This was during the college years because I was heavy, heavy, like 445 pounds. Sleeping in my bed 
and I can feel the fat as I lay on my back. It felt like somebody had literally took fish hooks, put them through my back without the pain because I didn't feel that pain. But as I slept, it felt all that weight would just pull me down like rocks. And what it did for me, sometimes I couldn't breathe because I was clogging myself up with all the fatty tissues within myself. So I had to get to a place where I wanted to change, man. Being an undergrad um, with this particular organization, I used to look at those brothers, how like, oh, they're fit. They're toned. Like, I want to be that guy. I remember going out with my friends. And let me let me put a pin right here. Out of my friends, and there's not many of us. I've always been the blackest one, <laughs> the fattest one, and the funniest looking one. I say it like that. But I've always been cool. But when will that coolness turn into my reality of this is not who you are or this is not who you desire to be? When will you want to start becoming and just be? So after college, graduated, and I sit back. Matter of fact, I'm looking at it now. Graduation 2010 across that stage with my black robe on. I'm looking how huge I was. I was so swole. Even the cap and the gown that I had on had room, but it didn't have that much of room left. Nobody told me, hey, P, we wanted to do something about this weight, my man. I remember a few guys. I, I do on um, Jakeem is one Omari. There's a few of my brothers back then. We would talk. Um, they would be encouraging, but I didn't transition. I wasn't ready. I was just about talk. That's all. Um, my pastor, Pastor Rosen in Orangeburg, he, he mentioned, but nobody pushed me or really encouraged me to, yo, let's make this transition now. And nobody can really, how to say it, nobody can really make that transition other than yourself. Because determination has to come into play. And sometimes you may have to go through a dramatic experience in order for you to change and have a better lifestyle. So after college, man, um, I taught high school. But during that time, 2011, I was teaching middle school, taught middle school science. And I was a big guy. (laughs) I was a big guy. And I remember being at the high school when I left the middle school to start teaching at the high school. Listen, I remember sitting in the desk at the high school. These are the student desks. When I went to get up, you already know. Everything within me was in gravity. Everything lifted up with me. (laughs) The desk and all. So the students just thought that was hilarious. So I just kept egging them on and making them laugh. But deep down inside, that thing hurt like hell, man. (laughs) I was embarrassed. You know, um, all of that stuff played a recording session 
in my memory for the moment of three years ago. Before three years ago, let me lead up to it. Being in grad school now, I started changing bit by bit because I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and there are nothing but some good vibration, love of energy down there with conscious people, health, wellness. And I've always told people, and I'm, and I'm sticking to this, this is my quote, when spirits or Ruach, however you want to call it, Ruach is for the, if you are Hebrew and you celebrate that, uh, follow those principles, excuse me, we say Ruach, for those spirit, energy, whatever you want to label it, because I love everybody, man, I love everybody, I'm not here to bash on nobody. We are all trying to get to that place. So anyhow, when spirit is ready for you to meet whatever it and capitalize it, IT, whenever spirit is ready for you to meet it, then it will happen. Up until then, you are just on a journey of learning. What does that mean? I've always wanted to lose the weight. I've always wanted to be in a place of looking better. And most importantly, let me backtrack, being in elementary and middle school, kids my age wore normal sizes. Nah, I had to wear husky. I don't think I ever know or knew what it felt like to be in a smaller size up until now. So being in... um grad school, having to experience a dramatic, almost mental breakdown, but it was for the best because it changed my life. 2011 was the year I lost my heart, which is my grandmother, then my father the year after, my great-grandfather was in between. All this stuff took place. It drove me to a place where I needed to see a counselor. And I saw my counselor regularly. It was needed. Um, I started saying, all right, person, I got to get myself together. I started walking in the AUC around the track at Clark Atlanta. Um, I linked up with some brothers from Morehouse and Clark. We'll do certain, well, they will be consistent. I wasn't consistent. Uh, I would work out with them for a little while. Um, But then... It was so easy for me to go eat. It was easy for me to emotionally eat whatever I wanted to because I was in Atlanta. It was accessible. Um, but it was this one particular day, man. I was dating this young lady and she cooked some food and I remember telling her, look, I don't feel like eating actually. Before then, my spirit was like, yo, it's time for you to take a break from meat, from, you know, it's time for you to fast. I wasn't thinking about nobody's veganism. I wasn't thinking about vegetarian, none of that. I just knew I needed to take a break because my body was now physically hurting. You will find myself in the hospital, man, at least three times a month. For up maybe for the up until like six months, 
So you can imagine the hospital bill. And the reason why I ran to the hospital, my body hurt so bad. My stomach hurt so bad. My headache, pains throughout my body, like neuropathy. And my um, friend at the time, when she cooked, and I told her I didn't want it, but I did eat. Because you know how you ladies get no, I don't work. I don't cook. You don't tell me you don't want. Listen, yeah. All right, got you. But sometimes, fellas, ladies, you have to put your foot down because if you're doing something for your health, I don't care if it hurts the person's feelings. Hurt their feelings and save your life in the now. And they can get over those feelings. Because if you try to compromise feelings, for health, you need to recheck yourself and recheck your mindset because you got to condition your mind. You got to condition your mind and put your mind where you want to be in the next two, five, ten years. So because I chose to eat or have eaten what she cooked, I suffered. My bowels locked up. The doctor said I was good. Just a little constipation. You got a little bit of inflammation. A little bit of inflammation, that's it? Okay. Man, nobody seems to know what's going on, what to do. I went to this herb store in Florence, and I told the lady what I was experiencing. She instantly told me activated charcoal and LBS. LBS is a herbal capsule that helps you eliminate waste. I started taking that stuff and I hurt even more. <laughs> but something within me said, stick with it for at least four or three days. After the, after the third day, everything began to kind of ease and kind of chill out. But I started to feel so much better. Oh, I started to feel so much better. <laughs> Moving down to Atlanta, um, going to grad school, I met my friend, which is my best friend, my sister, Bridget Manor, Bridget Hall. And she introduced me to this iridologist lady named Angie. And I think Angie is located in Sperna, maybe. Don't quote me. But either way, listen, this lady is God sent. She had her little machine with the light in it, look in my eyes. And I remember her saying, ooh, baby, ooh, baby. And she repeated that several times. I'm like, yo, can you please just tell me I don't have cancer? I don't know why I felt that I had cancer. But that's the only thing that was scaring me was like, I may have cancer. She said, no, no, but this is going on, that's going on. And I told her before then that I started eating differently. She said, listen, had you not done that, it wasn't looking good for you. And I believe that because, listen, you have to be in tune with your body, mind, your body, your spirit. If these are off, you're off. 
Your mind is everything. Your body will speak to you if you're open to listen. All right? You saying, well, the body's speaking. I don't know what's next. Just like my body said, I need you to fast, get off the meat. A lot of us hear instructions, but we fail to do the instructions because what it does, it messes with our ego and it messes with our flesh and it messes with how it makes us feel. Because if the instructions goes against the way I feel and the way I feel is good, I don't know if that was the proper instruction. But if the instruction was flip, yeah, we got to get back in tune. And I use that word back. Because our ancestors, they knew it. They knew what to do, how to do. They knew how to go outside and look at a herb, a plant, and name them. And, okay, it does this for this. They had wisdom. They were so close to the most high. We have to get back to that, man. So many of us are far, far, far away from that. And that's the reason why we are living in living in a body of inflammation and other diseases within it because we're far off from being in tune with our body. So being down with Angie, she told me what was going on and she recommended, listen, that was the most expensive visit I have ever had. I only went once. (laughs) The initial cost was 40 bucks just to get your eyes checked. You know, red. And she's booked almost, she's literally booked a year in advance. Like, she's just that good. I'm thinking I'm good. 40 bucks, maybe $100. Yo, I left out that store spending close to $600. I didn't feel no type of way. I couldn't wait to get home or to my friend's house and start start taking these pills. When I started taking these herbal supplements, I felt great because I started transforming the way I thought, transforming the way my body was moving and pushed myself. My my good friend who owns a good, listen, anytime you guys are down in Atlanta, Georgia, you got to go check out, I want to say it's called um, Healthy Atlanta. I have to, don't quote me, I'll definitely put it in my notes. But she owns her healthy spot down in Atlanta. You can get colonics and all that stuff there. Uh, her name is Lala. <clears throat> Excuse me. I met Lala at this other facility in Atlanta. And I remember going in there and I wanted a colonic. Not knowing what it was, I heard about it, so I want to check it out. And she looked at me. She said, well, you have to be 400 pounds. And she said, I said, well, I am. I'm 400. I was lying, not knowing that they had a scale at the place. Well, at that time, I got on the scale. The scale said 421. Well, I was discouraged because I heard such great things about the hydrotherapy cleaning. Man, listen, I went back a month later and my friend mother transitioned and I took her out to get some stuff done. And 
I was able to get my client, man. A month took me maybe a month to lose that 20 pounds. And when I lost that 20 pounds, everything else began to drop. Because right then and there, I became cold turkey, vegan. After the summer of 2000, and it must have been six, let me see, 16. Yeah, I became cold turkey vegan, 16. And I'm going to explain that because during the summertime, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to eat. So I was finding myself eating fish. I was more of a pescetarian. And I would go across the street from my friend's uh, townhome, <coughs> excuse me, and grill me some salmon or some black striped bass fish. I remember that day so good. Oh, so good. I went swimming, took little Jalen. He was a little boy now. He's a big boy now. Took my little boy. We went swimming. And I fixed the fish, fixed up some veggies. Oh, this is good. It's looking good. I'm eating. I felt sick. The next day, I'll eat some more stuff. My body still felt sick. All right. I said, let me stop the fish and just see how this eating no meat, no nothing would do. I felt great, but I wasn't true vegan during that time because I still had different dairy products. So I was definitely vegetarian. So I went from pescetarian to some products of vegetarian. 2017, I became all, yeah, so it was around, yeah, early 2017, I came full blown vegan. 17, 18, 19, 20. I've lost over 200 pounds by being vegan. Taking other supplements, the exercise and all that stuff as well. But man, it feels great. And I would never want to take myself back to a place of eating comfortably and living in a place that caused diseases and other health issues. I can never do that. I refuse to do that. So, listen. Let's talk and let's move forward real quick. Where am I? Where do I stand? I'm still a work in progress. I'm sitting here at 230, up gain weight, 238. 238 pounds right now. Um, a lot of people say you look good. Yeah, I feel great. But this is not how I desire to look. And because this is not how I desire to look, I have to move and push myself even more. And so I just want to encourage you guys, man, do not sit anywhere in life and let your mind deteriorate and make you start thinking things such as, I can't do this, or I'm lazy, or whatever. Push yourself. Get a book. Start reading. Start looking at some YouTube channels on health. What the health? There are so many different things out there to help us and to help you maintain stability and growth. But you have to do at least 10%. It's switching that mindset from a negative to a positive. 
switching your energy from a low to a high. And when you do that consistently, getting up, saying affirmations, getting up, drink you some hot water. That's let's talk about that for a second. Let's let's deal with that for a second. So many people are so used to getting up and breaking their fast with what? Frying some type of food, scrambling some type of egg. Not many Americans would definitely go straight having fruit and veggies in the morning or even eating raw. If we get up in the morning, we're going to drink what? Some orange juice, some type of juice with sugar in it. And sugar is horrible, man. (laughs) We're going to talk about that later, but it's horrible for you. When you wake up in the morning, what did I do? Let's 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 let me talk about this for what let me see. Let me talk about it for 60 seconds. When I started off on this journey, I will wake up in the morning and find myself drinking hot water with limes in it. I was staying with my cousin at the last, it was like my last year on campus before I graduated. And I would drink the hot water with limes in it, lemons. Um, and that helped out a lot. That helped my digestive system. I would take black seed oil. And that was the only thing that I would take during that time, outside of the herbs that I purchased from uh, my eye reading. And I stopped eating every time I woke up in the morning. And if I ate something, I would find myself trying to do some type of fruit or veggie. Um, and then I may probably fry some type of vegetarian patties during that time. But living in Atlanta, I can go straight down to 7-Under and get some vegan food, and I'm good. We have to train our mind that we don't always have to eat first thing in the morning. When you train your mind to wake up, to breathe, to relax, then go, don't get you no coffee, leave the coffee alone for a little while, get you some nice warm water, some lemons or limes, and just let your body digest that. Clear your mind, allow yourself to wake up an hour earlier outside of your normal schedule time to get up in the morning. Give your mind what's needed. Condition your mind every morning. Condition your body. Go outside, run, walk, do what you must. Do some type of physical activity for at least 15 minutes. I guarantee you, if you do that for 30 days, you eat healthy for 30 days, I guarantee you, you'll be ready for the next move. Hey, man. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is the Liberation Table Experience. Hopefully something that I've said will be enlightening, helping, or helpful to you. Um, If you wish to follow me or wish to ask questions, like I said, this is just the first. I'll be sharing many, many more. You can find me at email at sankofawellness.com. One 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 at gmail.com or on Instagram at redo your life and it's spelled R E D U E underscore U R underscore life or on Facebook Preston Stay Focused Zimmerman. All right, man, I appreciate you guys for tuning in.
hopefully you guys will find yourself in a better place than you were today. And one of the things I want to leave you with, we have to remember this. There's a new wave that's coming. And this new wave, what it is, is leaving the old wave of our ancestors, the way they ate and how they did things and bring the new wave of living life, of changing the way we would normally eat the sugars. Now, let me find a substitute for that. I'll go ahead and get an orange with seeds in it. All right, thank you for tuning in. All right, this is an interview between my friend Lala. Um, she owns a health and wellness spa in Atlanta, Georgia. And the wellness center is called Heal Thyself Atlanta. So I want to ask her a few questions and, uh, and see what she's saying. So let me tell you a brief uh, background about Lala and I. So, oh, hold on. Let me get you guys right. Here, Lala, you, you can record me. <clears throat> All right, so. Uh, yeah, that red button up there? All right, so listen. My name is Uncle P. Um, follow me at Redo Your Life. It's R-E-D-U-E underscore U-R underscore life, L-I-F-E. So listen, I used to be 445 pounds, man. And um, I met this lady years ago, about five years ago now, back in May. And uh, I remember during the time I met her, I was like 420, 25 pounds. And I wanted this colonic because everybody was talking about it. So when I met her, I'll let her tell the story what she said to me. And um, just know we built a strong relationship and a bond that can't be broken. So stay tuned. I'm about to bring her on. All right. And this is her place, by the way. It's called Heal Thyself Atlanta. So. All right. Tell the people who you are. Who are you? Who I am? I am Lala, and I have this spa. It's actually my vision and my passion. We believe here in body, mind, and spirit. We believe that it's connected to those three. And whenever you start your journey on cleansing and healing, you have to heal all those three parts. We believe that you create all your sicknesses in your mind. And you have to, if you're cleansing or healing, you need to heal all those three parts. We do here a lot of like detoxification, like colonics. We do massages, a lot of different medical massages, which is include lymphatic, um, craniosacral, neuromedical. We do Reiki massage. We do womb massage. We do a lot of fertility massages, healing, therapeutic. Yo, Grand Rising. This is eleven twelve here in South Carolina. Listen, man, um, let's talk about it a little bit. This particular podcast, we're going to deal with um, what does it look like being a caregiver in your 30s or being a caregiver at any age? 
Um, I'm 34, man, and I left the state of Oregon, uprooted myself where I was becoming established because I received a phone call one evening saying that my mother had a stroke and I needed to come on home uh, without reasonable doubt or question. I did just that. Um, I reached out to friends and family that could uh, find a you know, a reasonable price to get out of there. And I got back in South Carolina maybe within a day or two from my mother's stroke. And I, and I remember looking at my mom. She didn't look good at that time. And then, you know, having to be with my father who has other um, mental or uh, disabled illnesses. And I began to think, I'm like, man, I don't want to move back here. I'm not going to move back here. Mom's going to be fine. Well, nah, it turned out that I had to leave and move back to South Carolina. And upon my, uh, how do you say, upon my gathering to move back here, it was a truthfully bittersweet moment because here I am in a place, in a city or a state that I like in spite of what took place or what's taking place when it comes down to us and our ethnicity group and my people, I still wanted to be out there because I had opportunities to go to the skiing. I had opportunities to do, um, go to the hot springs, to do those things that I so desire, love and desire and be by myself and not feel no type of way. See, I'm a person that enjoy being alone. And when I do have company, that's usually a good time. But usually I, I enjoy being by myself. When I get married, my wife, my family, you know, we're going to be many a days like, yo, let's go by ourselves. Let's do this. And it's not because of whatever reason that someone can be thinking. It's just some people choose to be a loner. And I'm that. I like to be alone sometimes. You can think more. You're much more free. You're in a space that is your space. You're not contaminated with anyone or anyone's thoughts or opinions. So I had to realize that I'm coming back to a place where people are always looking, people are always saying stuff, people are always very criticizing. Just so much came through my mind. And I'm like, man, I'll get through it. Living, at, living with my parents at that time when I moved back, before my mother came home, I realized I needed a space in a place of my own. So I decided to move a few houses down um, and rent out a house for my cousin. And this has been one of the best, you know, that I've done so far to be by myself. Because I don't know what I would do or where would I have been had I stayed in the house and had to take care of both of them day in and day out. I don't know. It wouldn't be good for me. So I realized I had to uproot myself from there and come on here. So even with all of that being said, um, it's extremely hard. It's challenging. It's emotional. It's um, it's everything and above taking care of elders and just becoming their caregiver. So many people don't understand or know 
I have to be the one to change my mom day in and day out. I have I'm the one that have to clean their house day in and day out. Cook, clean, changing, grocery shopping, um being available when they call even if it's nothing. I have to be that one and there's only one of me. I have two uh siblings, but they are nowhere near to help in any way. I have a sister that do what she can, but it's not helpful for me or my mother. And it's just, you let people do what they can without criticizing them and without saying something different. In your head and your heart may say and feel different, but you really don't know where a person is. Even if you are looking on the outside and you think that they may have this or they might be there. We are looking just that way outside, trying to figure what's going on in the inside. And still, just like a surgeon, in order for me to find the cancer, in order for me to find whatever tumor, whatever it may be within that body, sometimes I have to use a microscopic microscope and or I may have to cut that person open to figure out where it is, what's going on. Let's remove this. Some people are the same way. A lot of people are the same way. The outside may look beautiful, charming, so forth and so on. By the time you cut them open, there's a whole lot of discombobulation of imbalances, emotions, stress, sicknesses, illnesses, anything. So we have to learn to applaud people, thank people for where they are and for what they're doing in the moment. But it doesn't change nothing the way I feel as a man who's 34, who was on the verge of literally like getting his life together, had a couple friends, little different options. Um, And I'm like, you know, this can be cool. But when all this took place, all of a sudden, I had to come back. I sit in a place and I and I think to myself day to day. I'm around people in my community where I don't get much support. I do have a few that would definitely be supportive, but those that I look to in my head for support is not there. It's the opposite. And especially when you have relatives. And I don't like using the word against because that's just my personal personal preference, not using that. I don't believe no one is against me. I do believe a lot of people are ignorant to factual facts. And I do believe a lot of people just don't know. So when they are in those both state of mind, yo, what can you do but have your faith and keep on going? I'm one that believe in my ancestors. I believe in Yah being the most high. And I pray and I ask the most high and I ask my ancestors to guide and lead me. I even call on my Orishas. Because of the fact I can't do this by myself. There's many times I thought about death. Death would be an easy way out. Many times I'm like, why not take me? Why not take them? Because this is just too much. You sit there, you do stuff for them. You clean, you cook. Either you cook and it doesn't taste right. One day I like it. The next day, literally the next day, I don't like that. But you just had it. Or you go buy certain things. I don't like that. 
All of this stuff, all of this commotion, all of this agony, pain, it causes a person to feel some type of way. And I always tell my people, man, get outside, go enjoy nature. Do what you must do. You're going to cry. You're going to cry. And listen, you're going to cry some more. But you got to be strong. Caregiving is not for the weak minded. My mind have raced. My mind had traveled. When you're caregiving for people that you knew or know all of your life, while you're caregiving, sometimes those moments of life and plays will come back to your your frontal lobe of your, your brain to make you think of those things that were said and done. And not everything from those who you're caring for has always been a pleasant moment. But you have to forget about that stuff and shun that stuff away. I can easily sit here and ponder and be bitter from everything that was done to me in my past, even in the presence from those who I'm care- my, my parents, basically what I'm caring for. And when they say certain things or my father say certain things, listen, sometimes that thing make you rageous, make you very rageous. And if anybody out here like, nah, I don't get that way, you're a lie. <laughs> you are a lie because we're human. But it's within those moments that make it humanitarian. What do we do? How do we act? What is our response? Our response make everything. How to say our our response will make everything either good or bad. So I'm coming to you just for a short moment, man, not to give you no long episode, but just something as we grow and we build, because I want to have some Q&A moments. You know, I just want to encourage somebody like, listen. If you're in your 30s and you were in a position of making, you know, pretty good money monthly and you're not making half what you did monthly. Sometimes, man, we just got to keep pushing. And do know that there is better and greater beyond that. So stick with your course. Stay rooted in your faith. Keep your mind conditioned and liberated and educated. Keep your heart pure and and make sure love filter out always. Take yourself out to nature and allow Mother Nature to do what she wants to do is heal you, speak to you. The creative voice is out there, but we don't like to listen. We're distracted by social media. We're distracted by our lives. We're distracted by too many things except for what's going on. So listen, man, this is Uncle P. Um, Just want to come to you guys real quick. Insight about what it is or what does it look like to be in your 30s and taking care of your elderly parents. So the next segment, I'm going to talk about the mental health. Um, What words can do to destroy it. Because you know that old saying, sticks and bones may break my bones, but I promise you, words will hurt you. <laughs> it says the words doesn't hurt, but words will destroy. Words can, words can become very oppressive. And when you're oppressed, 
years and days in and out, you become mentally destroyed, depressed, anxiety, PTSD, PSD, whatever you want to post. Yeah, PTSD. All this stuff takes place. All of this stuff. But you stay encouraged, man. And we'll talk soon. All right? This is your Bunker P. Peace. Peace, family. This your boy, Uncle P, man. Coming with you with the new podcast called what? The Moment in the Moment. Have you ever said things that were just literally in the moment? Have you felt some type of way listening to certain music that was literally in the moment? Or even with what's going on right now in society, man. We're dealing a lot with what? Police brutality. And that stuff is not just something that's new. It's going on forever and ever, over 400 years. But tonight we're going to enlighten you guys with some good music. I got my little cousin here. And we're going to chill, we're going to talk, and we're going to vibe it out. All right? So, God, what's up, man? What's your name, is, man? What's good, what's good? Marcus Child. Yeah, Marcus. Hey, they call me Band and the Family. You know what I'm saying? I'm just out here trying to, trying to provide good vibes, see how you feel with different kinds of music. What these kinds of music kind of provoke you to think? Oh. You know what I'm saying? So like it's just been years and years and years of all different kinds of music, and years and years and years of all different kinds of protests and all different kinds of just places in history. And just seeing how this music evolves is really very right. And your ass is old as hell. Even though you young, you act like an old mother, a mother, <laughs> old mother lover. You know this music. Like what we listen? To? What's in this song right here? And two occasions, the deal, a classic. Man, it's a classic. Hey, before I was born in this motherfucker, but uh, it sounds excellent. I'm telling y'all, I was born in the wrong side of history. But it is. I believe it. that. I do believe that. It is what it is. So, with this music right let's listen for a minute. Now, see, I don't know. It sounds like some baby making music. Honestly, that's really what it is. That's right. what music was back then. It was? I, how you figure though? But think about it. Let's look at all right, you said, alright. I well, I have no excuse that you think about it. I'm saying like today, most of these kids just be thinking about fucking. But this shit is making love type music, bro. This nigga talking about. But these kids don't know how to make love. They, they just like they exactly. like they like a rap, they go in and just smash and we out. Like Exactly. Like like listen to the shit I'm finna play. Alright, ask Les to play some other music. So, me personally, I'm a reggae head fan. Like, I grew up off of reggae, and so there's certain ones that I enjoy. Like, matter of fact, let me play my song real quick. Alexa, play Punky Reggae by Bob Marley. Punky Reggae. Now, this music right here, I'm gonna let y'all listen to it. There's a good beat with it. And it talks about what's going on. I want you to just listen to it for a minute. It's a conscious thinking. And only with that, it gets you in the right mood. So this party that Uncle Bob is dealing with, man, like, this is one of my theme songs when I go protest because of the fact 
when I sit down and think about all these years of enslavement, you know, Harriet Tubman, she coming like, yo, I need y'all to follow me. You know, mm-hmm. she she's that one like I need you to get your stuff together. Let's go. No so but now, so we look at like this particular is like oh, anybody that vibe with me. A lot of my student, former students, they vibe with me. They know I listen to reggae because it puts you in, in a place of calmness. Your vibration, your level is calm, and it, it speaks to your inner soul, your person. Whereas, like, a lot of people like um, Down South. So what's some of the Down South music? They, they like playing um, bankroller stuff. Like, there's there's places for that. Don't get me wrong. Hell yeah. Hey, but I, my <laughs> I do too. <laughs> but, it's place, but my thing is when you play it consistently over yeah. and over, it start embedding something mm-hmm. within you. It start turning other stuff or raising stuff up, resurrecting, resurrecting things out of you that you're like, yo, where this come from? You know, so a lot of our youth, I always encourage them to listen to the lyrics. So a lot of them, they want to listen like, yo, fuck this. I don't, I got money. Son, we, we with this and that. Nah, that's cool. Fuck but where is that, that putting you mm-hmm. or pushing you to or making you to, how to say it? How is that particular music making you a better person? person yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, what music? What, what song you got going on? Bro, I was uh, I was just gonna go ahead and put on this song, kind of comparing back to the deal, like how they they felt about like love making back in the day and shit like that. Yeah. But this song is kind of like you know, kind of the new school. Like when 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 niggas go to bed now, they got a shot in bed, right? <laughs> <laughs> they gotta put on something on the mic. You know right, what I'm right. Put something on the speaker. This type of shit they play versus the shit. Right, go ahead and ask Alexa. To play. So Alexa, play the take by Tory Lanez. Here's the take by Tory Lanez. Now y'all listen to this shit. Here's let's, the let's see. Let's see what this got going on. Hear the difference from "I Love You." It's to a take this. you down. What I'm about. Supposed to be a remix off of Chris Brown. Music. Oh, yeah, I really want to get to know you. <laughs> so, automatically, if I was in my car with a drop top mm-hmm. and I'm on the West Coast, mm-hmm. son, this right here, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. So, I can't play certain music because I know that certain music will definitely put you in a different mood, mm-hmm. you know? So I always tell people, son, like, listen, music has uh, feet, arms, everything but the physical body. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit that attaches you, and if you're not careful, you're not balanced. Mm-hmm. You have, like, ten kids out here. And you yeah, like, bro, like, listen to this shit. What the fuck? <laughs> like nigga, like this just make you wanna multiply and be fruitful, my nigga. This shit wants to make you All right, fruitful. so let's talk about that multiplying fruitful with this music. <laughs> but what if you know with guys they always say like, bro, I can't uh, just stay with one. Oh, absolutely. This this is that whole music. You just met a shawty. Hey, like look, just met this shawty. I want to get her in bed tonight. I'm going to play this in the car, right? When we just got done for Waffle House, drunk as hell after the club. Why is it? All right, like, 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 it's okay. Like, going back to my spot, like, we kicked it. This, this is about to be playing? 
We well, said the move. You said it ready and right. So, so one night stand kind of move that song. So that's facts. So when you get the music, it depends what what, you, what move you trying to or vibe you trying to get. That's true. All right. So, that's true. But what if you playing something right? And y'all vibing, but the music more like just a chill type. All of a sudden, this type come on. Mm-hmm. Um, what you gonna do? Like, like, what, I mean, what's as, what's that transition you can make with that? As a nigga, you gotta make sure that you got playlists. All right, let's talk about that word nigga. Cause y'all know I don't like that word nigga. What's the, what nigga mean? As a black young man uh, in America, or a black older man, as a black man in America, you need to know what your playlist looking like. Now with that being said, you know you know that this playlist that you have the transition songs, you have those songs that are more chill, you have your songs that are like, hey, I'm ready to fuck. So you know what I'm saying? You gotta have those songs ready to go while you're in your car riding with Shawty so she can know what the expectation is. But if you looking to wife of Shawty, then we got a totally different playlist. Though. What kind of, alright, what song you got for wife of Shawty? Wife of Shawty, like that two occasions deal type shit. Let me let me show you. Okay, alright. I'm about to go ahead. While he looking, let me show you what I like. Hey Alexa, play me some Marvin Gaye. Just because Ooh. of my generation, you know, I'm old school. So I like setting up things differently. It can be any type of Marvin mm-hmm. Gaye. Because, you know, when you hear that, oh, I got my if you got a classy one, mm-hmm. she's like, ooh, shit. Ooh, shit what is that? I like that. Right, that's ooh, I like that. I like that big day. So yes, it just sir. it depends what type of vibe you in, you know. Mm-hmm. But what? Go ahead. What music you got going? What kind of music you got going? On? Bro, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead. Hey, there's so much. There's so much on this playlist, press. Oh, that mean you, uh, you be working. Huh? Hey man, chill, chill, chill. Ain't no, ain't no shot. He's been deserving of this playlist yet. I don't know. Let me go ahead, Alexa. Play. I want to be closer by Switch. I want to be closer by Switch is only available with Amazon. That's what I'm talking about. I don't even know. Here's a station based on I want to be closer. Mm. Listen. Oh, you know what that is? That's just smooth. You don't know what that is, though? I want to be your sugar daddy. Oh, me and my sister just listened to this. Listen, this right here, you riding pimp car, riding on the strip at the beach, Myrtle Beach. Old school, <laughs> pimp style right here. Son, listen. Little red cup on the side, your shirt open. I'm, I'm, I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. Whatever you need. <laughs> oh, oh, this nigga said coke. Uh, Alexa, <laughs> hey, Night and Day by Al B. Shore, please. Mm. This man said coke. And he ain't talking about the Night cola, and day and by I'll be sure on Amazon Music. Like if a bitch come in my car, she hears some shit like this. Uh-huh. I'm trying to be more than I'm trying to be a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So like, what, what's your age group? What's my age group? Yeah. Bro, typically I like to go to me. The oldest oldest shot I ever messed with in high school. 35. 35? 35. How old was I? How old was I? Yeah. 21. Twenty-five. Twenty-one minutes for thirty-five? Mm-hmm. Boy, listen. I was twenty-seven. And uh she was forty-six. Mm-hmm. I fell in love. Uh-huh. Like, experience. 
Listen, experience, wisdom, and then old school. And it sounded like your shawty was on the cusp of menopause, so she was trying to work Listen, that son, shit. Listen, she was trying to work it quick, she boy. Was trying to work that <laughs> shit. She said, let me go ahead and get this shit in while I still got my fertility, motherfucker. Quick in a hurry. Did you realize, wait a minute, them ain't crossing over, they stop. <laughs> Hell with it. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Fuck it. But that's cool. Uh, yeah. What other kind of music you be vibing you like, man? Man, let me see. Some of this new school music that I kind of fuck with. I know you fuck with, uh, what's his name? Real Heavy. You just had it on when I was oh. here. Uh, uh, Instant Pack. Oh. Man, that man be cooling, man. And just a, a lyrical and just a musical genius all around. So tell me cool. this. Alright, so we deal with the music and all that, right? Mm hmm. We already know whatever vibe you want. You basically set the music you have your playlist. Right. But now, with all that being said and done, you got some people that literally try to reenact like what's being played and stuff through the music. Mm -hmm. So, where's the balance at in life? For example, not everybody's going to be on the shorty type of music. Like, a lot of people are going to be on that, you know, other stuff. Just chilling, yeah. I don't know. Is it chilling? So, what's the definition? Because we got some, about 10 years apart. What's the definition of chilling? Because that's a chilling. lot of people like chilling. Chilling is no kind of expectations. We really just vibing, getting to know one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really chilling. Like, chilling is no type of really expectations. So You're not looking to get anything from her. She's not looking to get anything from you. So just a time we coming to vibe, just coming to vibe. Whatever that vibe transition to, it is right. what it is, right? And, and, and if anything, if there's any expectation, it's just a friendship. Mm -hmm. And now, now you know, like down the road, it could become more than that. Right. But for that day or for that week, I'm just looking to get to know you genuinely, be close friends. You know what I'm saying? So what about relationships? Mm -hmm. What if? Decide you find a shorty, it's through music and like she vibing music. Y'all really link through music, uh -huh. but then you travel, you start working or whatever. What if another one approach you that's like that, but a little bit two times better and different? What, what two like times what? better and different? Yeah, so like, how will you say, like, how will you keep your composure and your, 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 your being? I mean, Just I feel like at that point, and I'm already committed to the other shorty, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, that's that's more so communication with that shorty as well as communication with God just to see where he wants you to be, you know what I'm saying, as far as placements of these different women in your life. It could just be a test. Right. It could just be a test to see how you're going to react. Are you really going to going to move on this girl without talking to me, without without speaking to me? Yeah. Yo, Lord Jesus Christ, like, you, you really going to do that? Or, you know what I'm saying, it's... It's all about mountains and valleys, man. All what about else? There's some people out that like, I don't be vibing with Jesus. I don't know who Jesus is like mm -hmm. that. That you know. Well, so I'm gonna tell you right now, they're gonna they're gonna fall into that despair. They're gonna fall for whatever is out there that could be so much better to them. You know what I'm saying? Or it could be that much better than the woman that they're with or the man that they're with. You know what I'm saying? But so, couldn't they just have like, okay, in a sense, uh, say. Alexa, play. Let's see. Who, who I feel like here? Let's see. Let's. What's some you good? Hey, new, new school. Yeah, some new Amazon school. Let's Alexa. play some new school. Let's do. Uh, uh, Alexa, play "Go Crazy" by Chris Brown. Go crazy. 
by Chris Brown and Young Thug on Amazon Music. So, but you got some people out here that are conscious. And so, like for me, I'm conscious, mm-hmm. and I always tell people I don't use the name Jesus because of the mm-hmm. fact of the history and and what I've known and what I read and what I feel in my gut that it's like nah, I'm good with that name. But for those who have, and you know, I might respect that because there's too much of division. Oh, are you believing that? Listen, just love each other, right? Mm-hmm. So, but what if? This is a good question. What if a shorty conscious, and but you on Jesus, but she's on, let's say, like universe, or she might be like my ancestors and stuff. Like, how you on? But you feeling her, and she feeling you. I mean, if you first off, I'm not going to be feeling no shorty until we feel each other on a spiritual level. You know what I'm saying? But what if you really feel on a spiritual level, and y'all never uh, express and I know using the name. Yeah, I've never stressed using the name. I mean, but I mean, Jesus is known as 20 million different names across the globe. And, and, and it's seen in so many different forms that you just don't even know. So my right. thing is, like, that that's not really a big deal for me. But as long as I know, and I and I know in my heart, as a, as a Christian, personally, uh-huh. that, you know, they're coming from the right head space. I'm like, I'm cool now, I'm kicking. You know right, so therefore, there's no, basically, no judgment. There's no... If there's a vibe, there's a vibe, right? Yeah, I mean, good people gonna be good people. And I was a guy always, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like if I fell in love with a with an Islamic man or somebody that's Muslim, like, good people, good people. Or, you know, right. somebody that could be agnostic, you know, they're, they're good people. But, like, I mean, obviously, I feel like that would be a different scenario. But, you know what I'm so, even all this stuff we dealing with right now, mm-hmm. in this world, all this police brutality and stuff, and just because you said like, and I feel you, man, <laughs> there's good in people, mm-hmm. there's bad in people. Mm-hmm. Even with all that good and bad, what if uh, Shorty come up to you that's just less of color? And there's no melanin in her. Other words, she's white or she look white in a sense. Mm-hmm. But you feeling her. But what if your family and stuff like, yeah, like, how you gonna, what, what's the balance of all? How you gonna get through that? As a man I mean, at that too. At the end of the day, like, I've always been a firm believer. You'll know. You know what I'm saying? And God will definitely point you in that right direction. You'll just know. You know what I'm saying? And, and as a matter of fact, depending on... Oh, hold on. Let me uh, let me get us right real quick. Another right, song. Man. Another song. So why you doing a little song right, man? We just here. This is called The Moment, man. We just vibing with whatever come to our mind right now. We're dealing with music, relationships, talking about um, just people in general. Good people, bad people. There's a lot of stuff going on out here. Alexa, and play uh, Tonight by Saw Baby. And one of the things that we want to bring to you guys, showing you that no matter what, we got to love people, man. Music drive and pull people together. It's like, for example, music is the solution to any problem. When you put music, it brings us together. So with the music, man, how can we use music in a time like this? 
Man, I tell you what, music is one of the reasons why I do build relationships with people in college. Like as a PWI, university like that, coming from a predominantly black, you know, high school, middle school, you know what I'm saying? Just having that disconnect. Like, as soon as I got to college, I was just like, all right. When I figured out, you know, they were listening to what I was listening to. Right. That provided almost like a sense of comfort from both sides. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like. That that sense of comfort. Now I feel like there's a big amount of discomfort, you know, between right. both sides. You know what I'm saying? And so like, I feel like music can definitely be like a, a way to pave a way for that comfort, that comfortability, in order to build to something next, which is you know actual freedom. You know what I'm saying? Coming comfortable with one another. Right. You know, cops aren't out here killing for no reason. They killing because they're scared. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just like a snake. Mm-hmm. It's gonna strike when it's scared. Right. There's automatically fear associated with it. But when that fear can become comfort and love, that's when we're talking about something different to feel off of that. So when we have people in position that's fearful, mm-hmm. what's the solution? Because there will never be no end to mm-hmm. killing us. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, people do things out of fear. Mm-hmm. People carry guns, people carry weapons, period, out of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm believer in just talking. Mm-hmm. If you can't talk it and you feel that y'all got to fight, fight it physically. Mm-hmm. Get it out the way. Mm-hmm. You know, but we all live in way. a time and times, man, where, like, I do believe guns were brought into many communities of large cities mm-hmm. that are heavily populated with black um, culture. And uh, gang related, so I do feel that um, with all that, like for example, I know you went to a different school. Like my school was HBCU. Mm-hmm. Shout out to SC State um, Bulldogs, but my my school was HBCU, and I remember one particular year. Alexa, um, play Alexa. Play like every breath you take. Uh, Sting and the police. She don't like you. Sorry, nothing, police. Every breath you take, message in a bottle. The do 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 by vocal summit is not available for Yeah, she don't even know what's going on. Here's a station. She didn't even know what's going on. Every breath you take, Alexa. message in a bottle. Play Feel Me by Cameo. She don't like you. I'm giving her some crazy shit right now. She don't like you, man. We'll work with that. We'll work with that. That's good. That's old school. Yeah. Um. So even with all this fear and stuff, man. Like for example, being at uh, State 27, 27, 2007. Um, the election brought together Claflin and South Carolina State University, and along with the community. And not just the election. That night, man, we played music. We rallied. Everybody was together, everybody was unison, everybody was vibing, everybody was happy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember incidents teaching. A lot of times in my class, if I know my students coming in rowdy and stuff, what I usually do, especially when I taught middle school, I would definitely put different music on, like with no lyrics, just mm-hmm. some instrumentals. Because with those inter- instrumentals, I realized, man, it calms the atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. If I decide to play like this other type of music, just like uh, what they call what uh, thug music or old folks would say banger banger music, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And if I play that all day every day, eventually 
I'm going to become accustomed to that particular environment of music and start relating or pulling out and start acting in a sense of like manner of harm. So even with that, you have, and going back to being fearful and stuff, man, you have police on these forces, uh, people in other high position and places that are, like you said, they are fearful of, they I mean, just to call them truthful, they fear for black people. They fear for black men when they pull together as one. And so therefore they try to do things, like for example, I'm looking at a clip and I'm not gonna call what it is right now. <clears throat> but I'm uh, looking at this clip where this police supposedly have gone into this building and told his brother, I have a warrant and uh, my gun, I'm gonna put my gun on here. But when I looked at it and I listened to it, mm-hmm. nah, it was a whole nother thing from what that person wrote to what we see on camera. And so tying, with, tying this with music, man, we have to find a place where we can come together. And I'm sticking with my black communities. We have to come together as black people. Mm-hmm. Put those music let, Let's start a, a music therapeutic Session or something mm-hmm. You know a lot of things um, I would bring people out here when we do yoga Might put on some reggae Might put on, depend what the mood is mm-hmm. Because when I'm working out Oh put me on bankroll whatever Cause yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna push me Then yeah. I'm the hype Exactly it gets me hype But that's the thing Are you today man They stay on that level of hypeness mm-hmm. You know? And that's and that's why, and I feel like a lot of a lot of our youth kind of do that, you know, because it, it kind of satisfies the social stigma. Like, you know, when you listening to to something like this, you rolling down your car, you know, you rolling down Westside Charlotte, whatever, wherever I, you know, when you go to Barry. Like, if I were to go to Barry, I used to do this shit anyway. I used to go to Barry, Westside of Charlotte. You know what I'm saying? Like, ninety nine percent black. You know what I'm saying? All the music uh-huh. used to listen to was them. Uh, rich homie, motherfucking speaker knockers, Gucci, you know what I'm saying? I fuck Gucci heavy, yada yada. I must say, you know, in in a sec right there, speaker knockers, you know, his mom and I went to church, okay. Like, <laughs> oh! you know, I'm I, glad you made that note. But, um, and I'll pull up to that bitch listening to Prince. Cause I didn't care, <laughs> like, like, I'm just gonna crank me regardless, like, and I would say, like, that that is something that, like, like all people kind of, you know, gather around close to it or, or you know, like right. those nodes of artists that are just like genuinely good. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like that was just something like and as a young black man going to that high school and, and kind of seeing that side of a young black man, because everybody listens to stuff like that. You Facts. know, everybody's Facts. heard it, you know what I'm saying? Facts. So people can just relate to it. And it's just made such a different change of pace. Then rather than listening to like Gucci Man all the damn time or Young Thug all the right. damn time or damn who up Rich Homie all the damn time, right. you know what I'm saying? Just switching it up and like black seeing that they were like, oh wow, like like you can you can listen to to that type of shit without other people judging you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's what that's what a lot of blacks need to see. Like you can be yourself. That's it. Be yourself. And that's the thing, man. Like for example, like Alexa, play Duke Ellington. That's tough. Like, one thing, you may find me like some playing Young Thug or Rich mm-hmm. Homie. Then you may hear me come down the street. Mm-hmm. There's something like this. You're like, wait, 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 w
Like, like, and what's wrong with that? Nothing. What exactly? Nothing is wrong with that. They're like, what's wrong with the person playing chess? That's the whole thing of stigmatism we have in the black community. You can't play chess or you'll be called... Um, you just uh, think you're white. Right. You can't uh, listen to jazz or without being called you're old or like Sonya. You can't man. speak a certain way. You can't speak a certain way without being called another ethnicity uh, culture. Like, where do we get all that from, you know? We have to do better and we must go back and read educating our young ones. Like, music. Like, let's deal with it. I will give a shout out to my doctor, professor. Dr. Lisa Allen at the ITC International Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia, where I got my master's. But listen, Dr. Allen, we always, she was our music teacher. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And through that, man, I've learned like hymns, where they came from. Like looking at our ancestors in the fields and working. Think about Harriet Tubman. I'm pretty sure some of them Negro was singing somebody's song, freedom song or something. Mm-hmm. Because it what it encouraged them and pushed them and motivate them and they were who they were. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't trying to be nothing else but who they are. Mm-hmm. When you look at for example, when we look at um, rock, everybody swear rock comes from what? White culture. Mm-hmm. But you understand rock comes from the black culture, from mm-hmm. black community. So there's a lot of these things that we definitely need to go back to introducing, reteaching our young people because so they can be well cultured, you know, understand this music is from here. Because a lot of music has some root, mm-hmm. a lot of music have meaning, mm-hmm. and a lot of mu- music have purpose and drive. So we just got to get back to getting to our original self and being who you are no matter what. See, man, it's just like, it's so hard to do that just with that social stigma that, you know, we are just talking about, like, as far as just just blacks in general, you know, judging one another, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just love to judge one another and, and as a means of, you know, being in that oppressive mindset, kind of like trying to drag one another down. You know what I'm saying? But it takes... It, it, it oftentimes takes, and we're getting there, we're getting there gradually. It takes so strong minded individuals who really do what they do and, and give a fuck about the opinions. You know what I'm saying? That's what it takes. And those little kids seeing that person on TV saying, wow, they're really doing their own shit. Like, I want to be like that someday. Right. You know what I'm saying? Rather than, than adjusting their lifestyle and adjusting their form of thinking based on the extrinsic environment around them, extrinsic stimuli. You know what I'm right. saying? So, like, that's huge, man. That's it is huge. huge, but like you said, they're still oppressed. And and if we're trying to move forward, even with this police brutality and, mm-hmm. and so much more that's going on in our culture, mm-hmm. if we're trying to be above and at the top, mm-hmm. you know, we have to teach our young ones, like, we can own banks. We can mm-hmm. own this. Right. We can own golf courses. Right, we can do that. Who said we could? Who said that was the white man job to own it? So mm-hmm. my thing, even with the oppression, man, we have to transition Alexa. from that. Go ahead, you talk to her. Alexa, play "Show Me" by Glenn Jones. Ah. "Show Me" by Glenn Jones is only available. She don't like it, bro. I hate it. Your light skin. We'll take. Let's see what she got. That's supposed to sound a little, little. little mm-hmm. Some Arab shit. Arabic, Spanish, all that culture. Eat a chocolate. I'm going to eat that. 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 I'm going to
But now, nah, man, real talk, man. Um, that's real, bro. Just, just the fact that we have to do better with um, moving ourselves from this oppression state of saying that this is that and this is that culture. And once we get to that place, solid, where we understand who we are, mm-hmm. where we come from, mm-hmm. there's nothing that can suppress us, mm-hmm. keep us oppressed, mm-hmm. as long as we stick together and move strategically together. Mm-hmm. You know, so, in my last words, man, only thing I gotta say, bro, is like, be you. Let music be the opening and light to what you're dealing with in the moment of your life, you know, so, and I'll come back with closing remarks. I'll leave it and let my little cuz say what he had to say. Man, yeah, just to piggyback off of that, man, like, don't be afraid to do your thing. Don't ever be afraid to to showcase what you have to showcase. I mean, at the end of the day, God made us all different. And you know, we're, we're, we should all embrace those differences because that's why he put us there, to embrace those differences and really make change. What kind of change are you gonna make if you can't if you can't bow to be different? You know what I'm saying? What kind of change can you really make if you're going to assimilate to society? Mm-hmm. Be yourself and, and, and be proud and being yourself and have a certain confidence and swag about you, man. Don't be afraid. Just do the damn thing. So that's all I gotta say. Just do your thing and just be who you are. So only thing I'll leave you guys with, man, is just remember this. P didn't get where he is overnight. It took some time, it took discipline, and it took a lot of time to be by myself. And when you are in a position of being closed by yourself, without your social media life, and really try to figure things out, man, the awakening is beautiful. So be who you are. Keep thriving, keep striving. Listen to what you listen to. Speak how you speak. And if what you're saying and what you listen to is keep you in a place that you find yourself the next year in the same place and the next year in the same place, that means it's time for what? Elevation and transition. That means you got to open yourself up to something new called New Horizons in life. Be welcome, be open, and be humble. Until then, man, this is the moment. You boys, you girls, you gals, you you men, y'all stay safe, man. All right? Peace, love, power. Yo, what's up? This is your boy Uncle P, man, coming with you with another podcast. Um, just in the moment, the experience, the liberation table experience, dealing with just dealing with what's going on with society and everything. So, I have my brother here. He's gonna introduce himself, and he's just gonna pick my brain. You know, and pick his brain. We're just gonna vibe it out. I'm Lorenzo Fleming. Uh, I'm with my boy, and uh, about to pick his brain. See what was his, what's his motivation. And uh, it's going to be real interesting. So we're going to start this off is what was the defining moment or incident that really said, hey, what can I do or what can I say to make change on what's going on with today's uh, issues? And like I said, I'm 34, man. And, um, <clears throat> and being 34 a- minutes is 2,040 seconds. Alexa, cancel. We now have to edit that later. I'm 34 and um, shoot, man. Like I said, growing up, I was always um different, um, stood out in a sense. Um, 
I went to this middle uh now was ele- elementary man I got kicked out of damn preschool <laughs> damn elementary middle school I I got kicked out every damn <laughs> class from K to 12 man it's crazy because I was always hyper and active mm-hmm. and therefore a lot of people even with children now so I work with kids with autism and you have to Truthfully, be a special kind to deal with that particular particular um, disorder in a mm-hmm. sense, because not everybody is on that level of like. Whew, whew, whew. So it it sends people in order pushes them to do certain things with their children. Um, going to the school Aces up there in North Haven, Connecticut. I never forget. Um, I'm what like ten years old, so I'm a big boy at ten. I was a big boy. And, um, cause I was wearing Husky. Mm-hmm. So I was wearing like, oh, yeah, yeah 32 and stuff. Husky side, big boy. <laughs> I played basketball, point guard for a minute. I ain't like basketball. I quit that. Then my uncle's, my uncle's like only like five, six years older than me. So he had some homeboys. So I would try to play ball with them. I ain't like that. And my, uh, stepfather, we grew up West Indies. So mm-hmm. therefore their football was soccer. So I played soccer. Man, look. I got tired of all of that. <laughs> so I was like, it was just too much, but I, I find myself needed to be active. And being at Aces, I remember, and me and my homeboy was having a conversation, and it hit me out of nowhere. We went to, um, going to the cafeteria. And at Aces, I'll give you a history about Aces. Aces is where a lot of the ch- uh, children in middle school I want to say a middle school will come there from around the state of Connecticut. Um, And this school was like a military school in a sense. Mm -hmm. So they were do you just like police officers, literally. And there was a room about, man, maybe five by five, not big at all. And they had the walls. It was only four walls. So they had it padded. And every time I would get locked up in that room, and it's this big old door with a small window and this thick behind lock where it doesn't really lock, but you have to push and hold it. Mm-hmm. So the person on the outside, however long I have to be in there, they have to hold that just that long. So they're getting tired as well. Exactly. And especially if I'm kicking the door and I'm throwing stuff. So you have kids that will go in there that urinate. So it stinks. And I remember just acting out a crazy manner because everybody else was getting away with it. I did it. I was acting crazy. And I remember, never forget, this dude was like six, seven. Muscles from here to Georgia. And Brug tackled me to the ground. And I'm fighting him to get up. I'm 10. So it took two people to keep me still. The only way they kept me still and pinned to the ground was Mike, Michael, was uh, the other guy, but he was a very, really, really cool dude. So I have nothing bad to say about that Mm -hmm. dude. He's white, but I have nothing bad because he helped me through a lot. But at that moment, to get me to be still, he put his knee on the middle of my neck towards my back. Mm -hmm. So, hell, I have no other choice but to be still. Yeah. Um, But what really prompted me, man, to really be just about my people growing up, just looking at how we were acting as a culture, um, I didn't see too much of really people really helping. Like, for example, growing up as a teen here in the South, 
you expect the neighborhood or community to pull together if nobody else pulled together. You are like I'm strong believer that your community should be your village. Mm-hmm. That's that's your backbone. So if somebody step out of line, yeah, let me uh, chastise you, but in a lovely, heartful way, exactly. not no harmful way that becomes in a, or turn into rage. So. Seeing how we as blacks, man, will always kill each other, always do this, that pissed me off. And teaching uh, school for several years, high school, and I used to always teach this my students, what's wrong with y'all? Why are we fighting each other? Y'all in games for what reason? Do you understand why you're in this particular game? Or you just did because of A, B, C, and D? Mm-hmm. And I always would drill that into them. And... So having that and seeing that, having around me seeing, you know, killings and you hear things of um, police brutality, but it really didn't struck me at that moment. When I went to grad school, and this is 2012, my mind is beginning to change and stuff. But before grad school, 2005, I went to Claflin University for my uh, fresh, freshman year. And then I transferred over to South Carolina State, and I got active in the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And so I became the president. I was a chapter president, I think, for like three years. And I traveled, man. They took us to, like, yo, NAACP used to look out for us, man. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> they used to take care of our stuff. But then, like, um, I don't know if you heard of a case with Troy Davis. Mm-hmm. So Troy Davis was on death row in Savannah, Georgia for supposedly, I think, killing a police officer. And everyone during that time that came forth with their testimonies were like, yes, he did it. Yes, he did it. All right. So NAACP got involved during that time back in 2006. And a lot of those witnesses came back to recant their testimony, saying that it was false. We were told to do this. Now, this is my thing. That was Savannah, Georgia. So that kind of pushed and stirred something. Because when I start seeing these elders, um, activists really going up strong and vocalizing their voice and telling them, nah, this is what's going on. This is the facts. Mm-hmm. This is what we see. This is what we're reading. That kind of struck something within me. And so ever since then, I've just been like, hmm, I like this. But man, going to Atlanta, Georgia. Why did I go to grad school in Atlanta, Georgia? (laughs) I wasn't conscious, but I was conscious in my own way because ever since a little boy, I used to ask my grandma, why are we saying Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I always have to tell people, like, if that's the name they know, go for it. Don't bash them. Like, you have to learn, like, we all have to learn to be in a position just loving one another. So if a person's atheist, that's cool. Whatever, do you. That's your answer. Mm-hmm. I do what I do. So growing up, I've always been kind of conscious spiritually, trying to understand, like, something just isn't connecting with me. So when going to Atlanta on the West End, have you been in Atlanta, Georgia? Uh-huh. Man, listen. Every conscious person you want to see is in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's not no show, no fashion. That's, that's, that's them. And my school... The ITC, International International Theological Center. My professors were some of the most woke professors I've ever met in my life. I had one particular professor 
would break down the Bible in Hebrew. And it was to the point like we left because like, dude, no, you trying to say Jesus. No, we don't want to hear you. You messing us up. Mm -hmm. But he began to show us things. And I had another professor, Dr. Earl, um, Dr. Thomas, all of these brothers and Dr. Keith Slaughter will show us us in the text. Mm -hmm. So when I realized that's us in the text, that began to do something for me. And the more I start seeing all this police brutality, it wasn't until Trayvon Martin's death that struck a nerve. Going down to outside of Orlando, Florida to march and to see the Black Panthers, not the new Black Panthers, but to see the Black Panthers down there, man, it's like everything with me just spark of like, I love y'all. Where the hell this come from? <laughs> so people are like, P, you good? I said, y'all don't feel them chills right now? No. I said, all right. Not even knowing that was the sense of me being woke, mm -hmm. trying to um, become conscious for my people. And ever since then, and just studying and looking back in history, how many people have been killed and literally brutalized by white, uh, white supremacy? Mm-hmm. Even being down in the South, like what bugs me the most is my own community of Darlington County. Now, truthfully, I forgot about this brother, um, Brother Russell, that got killed. I did. I was, matter of fact, I just graduated from college and I just moved back to Darlington to teach and I was helping someone on their campaign. And during that time, that's when he uh, was assassinated. I was right literally maybe four blocks from where he was. Still not knowing what was going on. Because I was in and out. Because I left mm -hmm. on and out. But man, when we marched this past Sunday. And when the family spoke. It did something within me again. Like I'm, I was telling everyone. I'm just going to chill man. Like I would march with everybody. But I'm not trying to come back up and be nobody's voice. Mm -hmm. Because I do know what's associated with that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So at the same time. The ancestors are speaking. The ancestors are like, when are we going to stand up? You know what I'm saying? To have, to listen to, or hear my mother and father, they're in their 80s. They're cool, but they're not, mm -mm, we're, they're still scared. Mm -hmm. So it's time out to be, from being scary. It's time out from being just, just in a place of oppression. And so I'm all for my people, man. I always have to tell people and I'm and I'm going to stop trying to explain to white people, I love you, you're cool, I got friends. If you can't sense that or feel that vibration, that's fine. I gotta stand up for my people. Because at the end of the day, they're gonna look out for each other. Exactly. No matter what. They'll laugh, they'll smile. I have had students that I've taught from Hartsville, South Carolina. That is one racist town. One racist town. Students would tell me about their own parents, mm -hmm. and I did not call their name, but they were always I'm like, not knowing that that was a seed being planted <laughs> during the time I'm teaching. I'm like, damn, they like that for real. But now when I become wiser and grow within my ancestors, I'm taken back like Sankofa, and I'm looking back like, whoa, wait a minute, I remember. That child telling me songs. So wait a minute, now I'm putting names. So when they called his brother name, Ben uh, Weatherford, I said, Weatherford? I came home immediately, start researching. 
and I realized his history, their history, that that last name history is not a good name. They're KKK territory. And so even with that, I want to be in my community not to be in a position to start a riot or to destroy, but definitely let our voices be heard. And the only way that can happen, bro, is just like, shit, we got to come together. So that would push me, man. Trayvon Martin, you know? Okay. So how do you think, uh, not just we as black people, but we as people, period, not sick, because I don't see color. Mm-hmm. I don't see color. I, don't, I really don't, man, because something I never did, I, I experienced some, you know, un- uncomfortable situations, you know, because of my skin color. But right. That doesn't change me, you know, because everybody's not the same, you know, just because one black man robbed a store, that means not all black men rob stores. If one white woman calls somebody the mm-hmm. N-word, not all women call, exactly. you know. So I think that we should not um, label and judge people based yeah. off skin color um, because he wears, he has dreads, or mm-hmm. she wearing this, and she wearing that, because that's where we separate ourselves mm-hmm. a lot. Big time. Because we look at somebody and be like, oh, this person, that, 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 and ain't never spoke for the, to the person at all. Exactly. And that's the thing that I noticed here. More than anything, man, like, when I had my locks, and I, and I, the reason why I cut my locks, everybody like, man, Mr. P, why you cut them? They were looking good and getting long. Because I know where I was coming back to. Mm-hmm. I know this area. And I 